After a long, hard day, you might be tempted to turn to the bottle. But Pastor Ed Taylor says there's a much better place to turn. If you want to be filled with anything, if you want comfort and you want security and you want to, to have a sense of, of strength or you want to be overcome by something, you want to lose your natural senses, you want to relax, you want to wind down, here's the way to do it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Wine is a mocker, Proverbs 20 says. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. I'm telling you, the more you look at the scriptures, especially on this topic, it will be wisdom, 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 wisdom. Making a wise choice or making an unwise choice. This is amazing grace. As we continue our study of 1 Kings today on Abounding Grace, we can't help but notice there were very few good leaders in that day. Sure, you'd have a good king now and then, but by and large, they were evil. But Pastor Ed Taylor is quick to point out the many lessons we can glean from their mistakes. And today, we'll learn how drinking and trying to please people can get you into deep trouble. As we begin, Pastor Ed shares some of the reasons he's chosen not to drink alcohol. Why don't I drink? Not because I'm so much more holy than you are. Not because I have arrived at some spiritual level and I want to look down on you. I don't drink for you and everyone else that will walk through that door and everyone else that will come and say, will you please talk to my husband? He doesn't believe he can be sober. Will you please talk to my wife? We are right at the edge. And I heard you on the radio. I heard your story. I don't want you to look him in the eye and just tell him. Tell him how long you've been sober. Tell him how long God delivered you. Just tell him that it's possible. With God, all things are possible. I don't ever want in my life... Because what, what's happening in this next generation is somebody will hear that, some kid will hear, well, you know, you know you're, you're just being legalistic. I'm telling you, I'm not being legalistic. I'm telling you right now, this is forever on, I was going to say on tape, but this isn't on tape. So on digital, whatever, whatever we're putting this, saving this on, MP3, video, wherever. I'm not doing this because of legalistic. If you choose, to, I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, people drink themselves drunk. That's what the Bible says. I'm a living example of drinking myself drunk. Let me read to you, now, now that I'm thinking of that, let me read to you this note that I have saved, and, and I do have permission to share it. Um, I got special permission. This is a family in our church, and for some reason, the internet connection here is horrible. And I have this email, I have it saved right here, and it's titled, Email Drinking Drunk Wife. Wrote it. That's how I titled it. Email Drinking Drunk Wife. Wrote it. This was an email that was sent to me from this church. 
Hi, Pastor. Thank you for taking, talking with me and my wife in between services two Sundays ago. I've been trying to get sober for years. I'm reaching out for help. You said you were going to pray for me that day, and I appreciate that. And check this out. Check this out. This is the last line. My wife is typing this out tonight as I have been drinking. Can you get the scene? This is a desperate situation right here in the sanctuary. A couple that has been together for years, years, up and down, up and down, up and down. And they walk into the doors here of this church and just think, well, maybe God can save us. You know, maybe God can act in our marriage. Maybe there's power over this little thing called drinking and the drunkenness of my husband. Just maybe. And they just happen to run into a pastor that has been delivered. And they just happen to come in. We get to pray with them. I tell them, look them in the eye. You can make it. You can make it. God is going to work in your life. And not a few days later, there I can picture them. I can see them at the, I can see the way that it's going on. And he's already far gone. And he's already over the edge and he's desperate and he's wrestling because why? The flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The two are contrary to one another. He's so drunk he can't type on the computer. Would you please type this to pastor? Would you please type this because this is the end. I believe it's a matter of wisdom, church, not legalism. Why? Because that's what Paul says. Walk uprightly. Oh, by the way, the the guy that wrote that email as his wife typed it has been sober for probably three or four years now. <laughs> I don't see him here right now, but I wouldn't point him out to you. Uh, but they're, they're doing great and uh, testimony to the power of God. I mean, that's what he does. So just in case anyone asks you, oh, you know, that, that fuddy-duddy Ed, that old man pastor guy that tells everybody they can't drink. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. And if they ever wonder, well, why does he say that? Now you can answer from now forever. Why doesn't he drink? I don't drink for you. And you could just look him in the eye. You know why my pastor doesn't drink? For you and for your kids and for your grandkids. Because I don't want to stand before God and say, hey, you're exercising your uh, freedoms, huh there, Ed? Yes, sir. God, you gave me those freedoms. And then I don't know how it's all going to go down with that wood, hay, and stubble where all stuff gets burned up before the beam, beam of seed. Of, but just maybe the, some of the tears in heaven are just all, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how it's all going to go down. I don't want to know. So I don't want you to tell me either. I don't want you to find out either. Some of you need to make decisions in your life to curtail your freedoms because you love other people, not because you love yourself more than other people. You just got to consider that. How, how do I know that this is the context where Paul's saying, because verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is emptiness, but be filled with the Spirit. If you want to be filled with anything, if you want comfort and you want security and you want to, to have a sense of, of strength or you want to be overcome by something, you want to lose your natural senses, you want to relax, you want to wind down, here's the way to do it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Wine is a mocker, Proverbs 20 says. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. I'm telling you, the more you look at the scriptures, especially on this topic, it will be wisdom, 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 wisdom. 
making a wise choice or making an unwise choice. I mean, even Solomon's mom said, it's not wise for you, king, to linger long, you know, leadership. It just breaks my heart. I'm certainly in the pastoral team and the leaders here are very much involved in the brokenness of sin. And what began maybe not as sin takes control over you. You're hanging out with the wrong people, you're at the wrong place with the wrong beverage, and then what happens? And it can, breaks my heart, drugs and alcohol. What it's, reeking, what, what it's doing in society, what it's doing to our neighbors, what's happening in our churches. We need to pray for mercy. As leaders in the home, in the workplace, in the church of Jesus, being filled with the Spirit is not optional. So just come back in 1 Kings 16, would you? I didn't want to pass over that little scripture there because when did he get taken advantage of by somebody he trusted? While he was drinking himself drunk. I know that alcohol is, is a tool to take away some of the weight, some of the, some of the heaviness of life. But God uses the heaviness of life to draw you to himself, to remind you of his sufficiency and his love. And, and while you can numb yourself for an hour or two or four or until you wake up in the morning and maybe have a hangover, a headache, you still wake up to the same situations and yet you also wake up with this heavy burden of condemnation and shame because you don't want to spend another night drunk out of your mind. You're tired of it. And the Lord would want to deliver you tonight. You don't have to turn to the bottle. You don't have to smoke that joint. You don't have to take that pain medication. The Holy Spirit wants to give you the peace and the comfort. He wants to remove the burden from you if you'll just come to him. That's the key. All right, come back now to verse 15. In 27th year of Asa, king of Judah, Zimri had reigned in Terzah seven days, and the people were encamped against Gibbethon, which belonged to the Philistines. Now the people who were encamped heard it said, Zimri has conspired and also has killed the king. So also Israel made Omri, the commander of the army, king over Israel that day in the camp. Then Omri and all Israel with him went up from Gibbethon, and they besieged Terzah. And it happened when Zimri saw that the city was taken, that he went on to the citadel of the king's house and burned the king's house down upon himself with fire and died. Because of the sins which he had sinned in doing evil in the sight of the Lord, in walking in the way of Jeroboam, in his sin, which he committed to make Israel sin. Now the rest of the acts of Zimri and the treason he committed, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the king of Israel? He ruled a whole seven days. Why? Well, the people revolted against him and turned to Omri to rule over them. And I'm, I'm sure you've learned by now that men, people can be so fickle. They'll like you one day and hate you the next. Fickle literally, I've, I've used that word so much I finally looked it up. This is what it means, I quote. Changing frequently, especially as regards to one's loyalties, interests, or affection. Any Bronco fan will tell you there's fickleness. Because Denver is the happiest town in the whole wide world when the Broncos are winning. 
I mean, you go into King Super, they want to give you stuff. Take it, take it. Broncos won. Yeah, yeah, but I'm walking out with a whole cart. Don't worry about it. Elway will cover it. We love that guy. Man, go go buy a car at his dealership. Yes, the Broncos. And then they lose. Whoa, man. You see fingers while you're driving that you don't usually see. People are angry. They're like, get out of my line. I don't want to work today. Fickle. Yeah, but Elway, now Elway, Elway, you know, it's just like, come on. Now, if you're a Dodger fan, you don't need to worry about that because they're always winning. <laughs> Different sport, but we just had some heaviness in the Bible study. I want to lighten it up just a little bit. Fickleness, seven days, seven days. How careful we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. If you try to serve and please man, you might do it temporarily, but not permanently. It's, it's this way. You know, when, when things are going well, man, I love you, Lord. When things are going bad, I don't love you, God, anymore. And yet, the reality is, is that how careful we need to be to remember that if your ways please the Lord, he'll make even your enemies be at peace with you. You just can't please people. You can't please everyone. And if you become a people pleaser or you live by the fear of man, you'll be all over the place. And, you know, in our Bible study, if I put this together only about an alcohol-type Bible study, when you have alcohol and people pleasing, that is a dangerous combination because all your senses are taken down and it's not good. Verse 21, Then the people of Israel were divided into two parts. Half of the people followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath, to make him king. The other half followed Omri. But the people who followed Omri prevailed over the people who followed Tibni, the son of Ginnath. And Tibni died and Omri reigned. In the 31st year of Asa, king of Judah, Omri became king over Israel and reigned 12 years. Six years he reigned in Terzah. And he bought the hill of Samaria from Shemar for two talents of silver. And he built on the hill and called the name of the city which he built Samaria. After the name of Shemer, owner of the hill. Omri did evil in the eyes of the Lord, did worse than all who were before him. Horrible, horrible testimony. Verse 26. And he walked in all the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and in his sin by which he made Israel sin, provoking the Lord God of Israel to anger with their idols. Now the rest of the acts of Omri, which he did, and the might that he showed, are they not written in the books of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Omri rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria. Then Ahab. Mark that name. His son reigned in his place. Verse 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, became king over Israel. And Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel and Samaria 22 years. Notice verse 30. Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took as his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians. And he went and served Baal and worshipped him. And he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made a wooden image, an Asherah pole. He did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the kings of Israel who were before him. In his days, Heel of Bethel built Jericho. 
laid its foundation with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which he had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. Ahab, while King Asa was ruling in the south in Judah, Ahab takes the throne in the north. And again, he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, even more than any of the kings before him. And what a sad testimony to have. Ahab was the most wicked king in Israel. And along with his sinfully consumed wife, Jezebel, they led the nation with cruelty and rank idolatry. He even builds an altar to the king, or to, to the small g, God Baal. Baal was the god of the sun and the sky. It was important to the people for the sake of their land and their crops. The god, these were fertility gods, both fertility in the land with the crops, but also fertility among the people. That's why there was a lot of sexual immorality going on because of the gods of fertility. The rain, Baal was worshiped for the sake of land and sexuality along with the Asherah poles. And we'll get to more detail on that later. But a lot of immorality for the the. Worship of Asherah, this false worship involves sexual excesses with the hopes of inducing rain and quickly, uh, and quicken the ability of animals to reproduce. And this is Ahab and his wife Jezebel. Now, just as a prelude, read ahead. Because in the most dark, difficult time, the most sin that he, they've ever seen in their, before, of any king before, because of Ahab, we meet another man. And you guys have read ahead already, you know his name is Elijah. Maybe you're in a dark time today. The darkest that you've ever seen. Darker than any of the previous years of your life. And it's a difficult time. And it's dark and difficult, the worst that you've ever had. It's in those dark, difficult times that we're introduced to the special provision of God. God sent Elijah to Ahab. God sent Elijah to the nation. God sent Elijah in a dark time, not in a fruitful time, not in a wonderful time, but God sent Ahab and Jezebel. What a wicked woman, Jezebel. Have you ever, ever in your life heard of someone naming their daughter Jezebel? To this date, I haven't. Never heard of, I've never heard in the mall, hey Jezebel, come here Jezebel. Not even a dog named Jezebel. And yet in the darkest time, God sent his messenger. So good news is up ahead. One of the most fascinating studies of the Bible is going to be the study of Elijah and Elisha. So encouraging. Encouraging in the sense that God uses us in difficult times. Encouraging that even as we find ourselves in deep, dark, difficult, God is going to use you. God wants to use you. He'll sustain you, take care of you. And even in ways that you could never, like already if you read ahead, you'll see the first way that God took care of, of Elijah was through a raven, an unclean bird. A scavenger. And yet that scavenger was a servant of God to take care of Elijah. You know, the Bible says that God will provide all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. And we might be looking to one way to provide, and we might be looking to another, and it could be just this nasty scavenger bird that comes in with a big worm in his mouth and says, here, eat. It may be something completely outside of what you can think or ask. 
And we're going to see that in Elijah's life. One last thing. Don't just read over verse 34 too quickly. Let's read it again. In the days of Hiel of Bethel, built Jericho, laid its foundations with Abiram, his firstborn, and with his youngest son, Segub, he set up its gates according to the word of the Lord, which had spoken through Joshua, the son of Nun. About 500 years earlier, turn over to Joshua real quick. Turn over to Joshua. About 500 years earlier, Joshua chapter 6, verse 26. This is what it says. They come into the land. They defeat Jericho. And at the end, in verse 26, it says, Then Joshua charged them at the time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city, Jericho. He will lay its foundation with his firstborn, and with his youngest he shall set up his gates. So the Lord is with Joshua, and his fame spread all over the country. And what does it say in verse 34? That Hiel of Bethel built Jericho. He laid the foundations with who? His firstborn. And how did he set up the gates? With his son. Because God spoke his word and it came to pass. And the question I had was this. I mean, it's a pretty solemn fulfillment to have that happen to him. God said, don't build Jericho again. But was it so dark? Was it so bad? And I, 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 would, lend, I would suggest that it was so dark and so bad didn't he know the word? Didn't he know the warning? Didn't somebody come up and say, don't build Jericho, man. Don't do it. You'll lose your kids. Uh, what do you mean? Well, because God said when Joshua came into the land 500 years ago, 500 years ago, you know, you think of our own country. Our own country's got 200 plus years. So double what the age of our own country is. And, and that, that's what happens in, that, that's what's happening right now. Like if somebody remind, you know, reminds us of the history of our country, oh, it was hundreds of years ago. We got a new day. Don't worry. Hey, listen, if God's warning, if somebody's warning you with something that God said even thousands of years ago, listen, listen. Didn't somebody tell the guy, don't rebuild Jericho. You'll lose your kids. You'll lose your family. Or, or the word of the Lord that goes to you today, don't do that. You're going to lose your family. Don't do it. You'll lose your family. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I believe the word of the Lord is going out right now to say, don't do it. You'll lose your family. And here it are in such a dark time. This man pays the ultimate price. For what? Building a city? Building a city? If you go to Jericho today with us, it's a dump. I mean, there's some walls there, some ancient walls that are a few thousand years old, you know, where we go and tour, and then it's just a bunch of people living there, like nobody's remembering this guy. Nobody's thinking, oh, wow, you know, so glad Hiel of Bethel came and built Jericho. It's not there. It's gone. Just like the Bible says. Heaven and earth is going to pass away. It's going to pass away. Don't do it. You'll lose your family. May that be the word of the Lord to us. Well, we've been in the book of 1 Kings today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is our teacher, and he's the pastor of Calvary Aurora. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online at calvaryaurora.org. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone or tablet. They're the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. This is a great way to study God's Word wherever you go. Do a search for Calvary Aurora and both apps will pop up. 
Still looking for a stocking stuffer or a meaningful gift for that special someone in your life? I'd like to suggest our resource of the month, a book by Lee Strobel called The Case for Christ. Taking the approach of a journalist, Lee Strobel recalls his own spiritual journey from an atheist to faith in Jesus. He poses questions like, how reliable is the Bible? Does evidence for Jesus exist outside the Word of God? And is there any reason to believe the resurrection actually happened? We'll send it your way when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Please remember this radio ministry is made possible through your generous support. And as the year comes to an end, this would be a wonderful time to hear from you. It'll serve to help us finish the year strong. Call toll-free at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or go online to calvaryaurora.org. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. We'll get back into 1 Kings tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor continues through this Old Testament book with us. We'll see you then. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Aurora.